If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to the Old Testament, the Old Testament, Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter twenty and verse twenty-two. And we're in our summer breakthrough series. This is the fourth in the series, and we have a very simple title to tonight. It's Problem, Praise, and then Power. Three P's. Problem, Praise, and then Power. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. So we have in this verse a threat of battle. We have in this verse the employment that they brought to face the enemy. And then we also have in this verse... The outcome. There's a whole lot in one verse here, but we want to break that down because I believe we all get in the middle of problems. We all face things in our lives where we have an enemy or an, uh, uh, something face our lives that comes against us in some way, way, manner, shape, or form. There was a man who didn't believe in God, so he went to church. And he sat in the front row, and they were having a service where in the front, this pastor said, uh, if you want to be prayed for and have me lay my hands on you, just, just come on up, come on up. So this man was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He thought that God was a bunch of hooey. So he said, I'm just going to get up, go forward, have the pastor pray for me, and uh, then... This I'll be able to prove that this is just junk. So he went, he uh, was about to get up, and he didn't even get up. The man saw the look in his eyes. The pastor came right over to him, put his hands on the man while he was still sitting down, and said, praise Jesus, today you will walk. And the man said, that's crazy. I'm not paralyzed. The preachers preachers held his hands on him and said, Praise Jesus, today you will walk. And the man got up, the atheist got up and said, I knew this was fake. And he walked out the back of the church and he saw that his car was stolen. (laughs) Today you will walk. (laughs) We find in our Bible reading that Jehoshaphat, a king of Judah, had a triple threat. Now, he was not facing one army. He was not facing two armies, but he was facing three different armies. And the armies, uh, we, we can actually, uh, the, uh, the Moabites and the Ammonites and Mount Seir, sounds like some kind of foreign uh, names, but these were actually quite close in nature to the nation of Israel. The nation of Moab came from, see, Abraham had a cousin named Lot. And Lot, when he was fleeing from Sodom, when, when God destroyed that city, he was fleeing with his wife and his two daughters. Well, his wife looked back longingly at the city, and God said, don't look back. She looked back and became a pillar of salt. <laughs> so he and his two daughters went to 
this cave and his daughters had this great idea to have kids with their father. So the father and the daughter, uh, the daughters, they, he had a child with each, each of his daughters and one was named Moab. And that's where the Moabites came from. So they're descendants of Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham. And his other daughter named her son from that relationship with her father, Ben-Ami. And that is the father of the children of Ammon. So these are actually not, these people are kind of neighboring nations to Israel and they're all connected together. And the third one was Mount Seir. Now that was just simply the capital or where, where Esau's descendants are from. Esau was the brother of, of Jacob. And when Esau came out, he was all hairy. And so his mother named him Harry, which was Esau. That's what that word means, hairy. And he was also red. Either his complexion was red or his hair was red. We don't know which one, but there was a time when his brother was making some lentils. And Jacob was cooking and Esau was hungry. So he said, I'm going to die if I don't eat. Make me some of your pottage, your lentils, so I can eat. So I don't die. He was hangry, okay? He was hangry. So Jacob said, hey, sell me your birthright. What was the birthright? His right as the firstborn son to the blessing of his father, which was the blessing of Jesus Christ. That was the power of Jesus Christ, the blessing of Jesus Christ. It was going to come through the, uh, the blessing that was passed down was the blessing from Abraham to Isaac and then was supposed to be to Esau. But he said, ah, it's going to do me no good. Here, take it. So he sold his birthright to his brother Jacob for a bowl of beans. And then it says in Genesis chapter 25, it said, therefore, in verse 30, was his name called Edom. So his name was changed and we began to know, which means red. So I don't know if they just called him red because the beans were red. And in the South, you could be called red, even though you don't eat beans. Like, hey, red. So that's where the Edomites were from. The Edomites were descendants of the brother of Jacob. So all of these armies came up against Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And so, what did he do? Well, the first thing we want to talk about is you've got your problem. And in the summer breakthrough, we need to be called outside of our comfort zone. And they were not in their comfort zone. And you know, a lot of times things get shaken up in our lives. It's not to destroy us. It's to get us to rise up and get something from God. So the Bible says that they went to the battle. And prior to going to the battle, Jehoshaphat had consulted a prophet. And the prophet said, you're not going to have to fight. He said, you can stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to fight your battle for you. So Jehoshaphat consulted in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 21 with the people. And he appointed singers unto the Lord. That they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. So he said, put the singers before your warriors. Can you imagine the Navy SEALs? And before the Navy SEALs, 
You have a choir that goes out into combat with camouflage and different things. That's exactly what they did, though. So they had all the singers go before all of the men of war. And as they went out before the army, and then it says, and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. You know, it's hard to praise God sometimes when you're in a battle, but that's exactly when we need to praise God the most. Right when you're going through things is exactly when you need to praise God. So what is praise anyway? Praise is the focus of our heart on something we adore. You ever heard of getting your house appraised? You're getting it valued, right? Well, when you value something, it's easy to praise it. You know, when rock stars come out on the the stage, all of the people lift up their hands like, it's, you know, I don't know the, the names of the rock bands anymore. It's Brad Pitt's. He's not a rock star. It's Angelina Jolie. It's Beyonce. It's Britney Spears. And the crowd lifts up their hands and they scream. When the Beatles used to come on the stage years ago, people would just get hysterical. Why? Because they were praising these people. Now, when we praise, uh, people do it at football games. You know, when the, the team comes out or when they score a touchdown, the stands, people will lift up their hands. They're not even given any kind of introduction or instruction. But people just naturally lift up their hands in praise because they value something. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat knew that God was their ticket to winning this battle. You know, when you get in a battle, we have to find out, how do I get out of it? Do I go to physical means? Maybe you lift up your hands or you have something in your pocket that's going to turn the tide of the battle. Jehoshaphat didn't have that. But one thing he did have was God. So the thing that he did really wasn't out of order. He was given a promise that God was going to take care of it. But what was his job? Just to make sure that he was looking to God. And so he began to command the singers to praise. So when you have a problem, and we all face them, the Bible said, and when they began to sing and to praise. It's interesting. When we have the problem, we have the solution, which is the praise. And we talk about getting into the growth zone. And if you try this, it actually works. Do you know that we can only have one conscious thought at a time? If your thoughts are negative, you're going to feel negative. If your thoughts positive, you're going to feel positive. If you're praising God, your focus is going to be on God's value, which is settled in heaven. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 22 and verse 3, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The Bible gives us a clue that God, when we praise him, he's in the midst of those praises. Have you ever looked at heaven? And the Bible says that around heaven, there are these heavenly creatures and they're continuously praising God. Holy, 
Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Over and over. And it just praise, the Bible says, becometh thine house. The Bible said that David praised the Lord. He danced before the Lord with all his might. And, and the Bible says, make a joyful noise. Have you ever read that? Well, that means to sing. No, that doesn't mean to sing. Have you ever been to like a football stadium and people are just shouting? That's what a joyful noise. It's like a shout. Well, I guess singing could be joyful, but that noise that God is talking about is just praising God. They say, God, uh, you are able to do this. God, you are amazing. God, you are powerful. God, you're bigger than my enemy. And that's what they were doing. The Bible says in Psalm 100 and verse 4 that we, are, we get actually close to God by praise. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. It's very natural to raise your hands when you're praising something. If someone won the lottery, they'd probably drop the ticket and raise their hands up. They'd be like, wow, it's like you win, right? Why? There's value in that ticket, so we lift our hands up. Well, there's value in God, so we lift our hands up. I've got something in God. And remember when Saul, I don't know if you, you read this in the Word of God, but... When he got messed up with God and the spirit of God left Saul, he had this evil spirit that would come upon him. Well, how did he handle that? Well, there was a young man that played a harp. And he played that harp. And when he played that harp, that man was named David. It said the evil spirit departed from Saul. You see, the devil can't stand when we praise God because the presence of God comes in. And if we submit ourselves unto God, resist the devil, he has no choice but to uh, obey the word of God and flee from us. So the Bible said uh, that as they were praising, something began to happen. But let me stop right there. And I want to point something out in praising God. In about one month, the Olympic Games will begin in Tokyo, Japan. Olympic Games are going to be the focus of the world, right? And there's going to be two 400-meter races there. One, the Olympic world record is held by a South African man named Wade Van Nykerk. 43.03 seconds. He's pretty fast, okay? That's one lap around the track, 400 meters. Well, there is another record. Now notice, 43.03 seconds. There's another record for the same distance of 400 meters. 36.84 seconds. Now that's about, what, almost six seconds faster. For 400 meters. Say, so, well, how is it so much faster? Well, who ran it? A Jamaican man named Nesta Carter ran that race. And a Jamaican man named Michael Freider and a Jamaican man named Johan Blake and another Jamaican man named Usain Bolt. It was a relay race. So each person ran, have you ever seen them pass the batons? 100 meters. And they passed the baton to the next man. So when your legs began to wear out, you could just pass it to the dude who had the fresh set of legs. And there is a message in there. A team can do more than one person. And in the church, it's the same way. A team 
can do more than one person. The Bible didn't say that they appointed one great singer out there. He appointed a team. And it said they began to praise. You know, it's in a, it's, they had a job to do together. And unity, before we have unity, we're not going to have that breakthrough in praise. It's not, it's not something that God, you know, God has no only child. I have an only child. My, my daughter's an only child. But there is no Christian who's an only child. We are part of the church of Jesus Christ. We need one another. And the Bible shows us this team effort. Uh, according to Amazon, if you have a, you've heard of a Kindle. A Kindle is where you read on Amazon. Do you know you can highlight scriptures? Uh, or you read a book and you can highlight something. Make it a different color. Do you know that data goes back to Amazon? It's their book. Yeah. They compile who highlights what. It's their stuff, right? They can do that. It's like, preacher, all your stuff's on the internet, believe it or not. It's all there. So they released to this magazine called The Atlantic the most popular highlights in different books like Harry Potter, Pride and Prejudice, The Lord of the Rings, and The Bible. Do you know what the most highlighted scripture was in the Bible? This is on Kindle, okay? It's not the most popular scripture, but it's what people would highlight when they read their Kindle Bible. And I'll read it to you. John 3.16, no. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now that's interesting. They could have chosen any scriptures that they wanted to highlight but don't and aren't we looking for peace in our lives? And you say, well, preacher, that's a good scripture. But do you know what the context of that scripture is? Do you know before that peace came, we can rewind to the beginning of chapter 4 of the book of Philippians. First of all, it was written by a man in jail named Paul to the church in Philippi. So let's look at the beginning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So take your stand in God. Now notice what he says next. I beseech Euodius and, I be, and beseech Syntyche. Those were two different ladies. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. What was Paul talking about? Unified. That these, these ladies were fighting. They were, they were not getting along. And Paul said, hey, this is going to destroy the work of God. We can't praise together if we're fighting one another. Someone said that uh, if thoroughbred horses have an attack come upon them, the, they will form a circle. And all of their legs will be out. And all of their heads will be in, in the circle. And they will kick out towards the enemies. Similarly, though, if donkeys are threatened, they will form a circle 
and their heads will be out toward the enemies, <laughs> and their legs will be towards each other, and they will end up kicking one another. But God called us to be thoroughbreds and to kick out and fight the enemy, not to kick each other. And you say, well, preacher, but this comes before what he's talking about. The most popular scripture, the context is we've got to get along if we want God to do a miracle. And then it says in verse three, I entreat thee also true yoke fellow. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And then he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Then he said, you've got to praise God. Just like Jehoshaphat was told, you've got to praise God. You've got to get your mind and focus on giving God the glory. And then the Bible comes down and says that be anxious for nothing. That when we give God all of those prayers and all of that praise, that the peace of God will be on our heart. God will win the battle. The Bible said this is the day that the Lord hath made, but then it doesn't say I will rejoice. It says we There is a team that praises God together. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In the New Testament, and I've read this recently, but Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi. They had about one or two church members. They're about to get their third, but they were locked up. And the Bible said they prayed and did what? Sang praises unto God. So they knew the Old Testament worked, and so they tried it. And the New Testament power of God, it worked and there was a great earthquake and the power of God showed up. So when we begin to praise God and next time you actually have the option to do that when things go crazy. You can get in the mully grubs or you can praise God. But if you're going to have a breakthrough, the mully grubs, let me tell you, I've tried it. It doesn't work. Okay, I've explored the mully grubs. I've explored a bad attitude and... It doesn't get you anywhere, right? Just deeper in the mud, okay? But when you begin to praise God, the Bible says in uh, 2 Chronicles, they begin to praise and sing. And the Lord began to go to work, didn't he? It's interesting. The Lord began to go to work. And the Bible said the Lord sent ambushments. Now, he didn't send some earthly ambushments, I really believe that the Lord sent his own troops. Now, if one angel could kill 185,000 Assyrians, I think the Lord can take care of the enemy. But it's interesting. So they're just praising God and God's destroying their enemies. And it's interesting. uh, The Lord spoke to my heart about how the enemies were destroyed. The Bible says in verse 23, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 23. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. Those are the Edomites. Utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir... So Ammon and Moab, there was this fog of war and they didn't know what was going on and God's angels were just whooping up on folks. And so there's something called the fog of war where you just, it's confusion, right? There was a confusion that arose. 
So these enemy armies, Ammon and Moab, began to fight against Edom. And then it said when they destroyed Edom, everyone helped destroy another. Then Ammon and Moab began to destroy each other. And the Bible said, And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked under the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. Now, you know why this is interesting? Because the same thing that God seems to speak about that gives us the victory was what destroyed them in fighting. They destroyed each other while Jehoshaphat's people worked together. And the Bible says that that unity is precious in the sight of God. It was so awesome that after the enemy was destroyed, it took them three days to pick up all of the the treasure and all of the things that... I don't know who carried treasure to the battle, but it's probably a bunch of weapons and... A lot of people would wear uh, bracelets and different things. You didn't carry cash in your wallet, right? You would carry silver necklaces and bracelets and nose rings and earrings, and you'd carry that on your person. You wouldn't have cash. You couldn't use an ATM card thousands of years ago. So still today in the Middle East, women wear gold bracelets, and it's, you could actually purchase stuff uh, with that gold or with that silver. So it took them Three days, man, wouldn't that be a blessing? If you had to go pick up things that were like gold and silver and it took you three days, it's going to be a good Christmas that year, right? And the Bible says, and on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the Valley of Baraka. That means the Valley of Blessing. For their they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the same place was called the Valley of Baraka unto this day. They changed the very name of the place where God gave them the victory. You know, and that's exactly what God can do in a summer breakthrough. He can take what seemingly is going to be a defeat and he can turn it inside out. And give us the victory. When you have a problem, we have to go to God in praise. And brethren, praise does wonders. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But what happened after that? The peace of God came. So the next time the battle comes, you could dish up some praise and just see what God does with that. Because aren't we really resting on God? Who holds the power of our salvation? God. Who holds all the promises? God. Who keeps the devil from us? God. You know what? If God's going to be up all night, I don't have to be up all night and stress out. I can rest in Him. God has got it. But I can praise Him and keep my focus on Him and let God be God 
in the problem. And God's power works through us in our life, praising him in the problem. A problem, praise, and then the power of God goes to work. And brethren, it all works through that sweetness and that unity that we have with one another. God works through that right attitude. Amen. And God bless you is our prayer. Have a summer breakthrough. Try it the next time things are going crazy. Begin to praise God. Just see what God can do. He can even make the light turn green or the light turn red or the line move fast as we praise him and let the power of God come on the scene. At this time, let's dismiss in prayer.